Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Amen. Let's pray. God, we we thank you. We thank you that you're the same God who's trustworthy, tried and true throughout Scripture for generations. You're the same God that we can trust today. You're the same God that we can follow today. You are faithful. We love you, Lord, and we love being in your presence together as one group, as one body of believers. And we thank you for this special time that we get to share each week. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Yeah? All right. I'm going to try it one more time. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. It's so good to hear you and see you today. A lot of times the lights are so bright that I need to hear. I need to hear you. So I appreciate you responding this morning, but it's so good. Um, to be here, to get to share from my heart this morning, um, I, I just consider this an honor and, and a privilege, and I'm thankful to Pastor Chris for trusting me with this, and um, just want to share something that's personal for me from my heart, and that's why I'm excited, because I, I feel like God has used these words to impact my own life, and I believe that he can do that for your life as well this morning as, as, we, um, as we dive into his word together. So I'm going to share my word for the year today. And if you don't know what that means, um, it's something that at First Orlando they've been doing for quite a while. And I have never actually done it myself. I usually like to theme my year around a scripture or some sort of goal or something that God's been speaking to me. But to choose a single word is a little, is, it can be a little difficult. But um, Pastor Chris, a couple of weeks ago, he shared his word. It was build. His word for 2023 is build. And on that, we've been doing this build with us uh, campaign where we get to share, um, where we get to share in the work that God is doing here at Horizon West Church. And you heard him talk about that a little bit um, earlier today. Well, last week, if you were watching online, Pastor David shared his word for the year. And so this week, I get to, I get to share mine. And, and like I said, I'm kind of a newbie, so, um, so bear with me on, on this word for the year. But I encourage you, I encourage you to do it as well, because it's, it's been just such an important and helpful exercise of reflection, of seeing what God has done in the last year, looking back to where he's taken me. Uh, from and where he's leading us to as a family. And so I encourage you to do that kind of reflection. But as I looked back at 2022, I realized that the entire year from beginning to end, it felt like this massive transition, a big transition. And it was. We uh, left a place where my kids grew up for the last eight years. My son was born in Southern California in Orange County, and my daughter was a year old when we moved out there. Um, We returned to a city in Orlando, the Orlando area, where I was raised, and we hadn't been here for 12 years. My wife and I hadn't lived here for 12 years, so that was a big change. And a big change of venue in terms of the ministry that I was doing. I had the opportunity, um, I have the opportunity now to serve with an amazing, intimate um, community here at Horizon West and, and body of believers after years, 14 years of leading groups of, of 8 to 15,000 people in worship 
each weekend. It was a big change, and it's been a big change. Um, a change of focus as I've discerned God calling me to lean into pastoral gifts um, that aren't just confined with music ministry. And I say that now, but I'm probably going to break out in singing at some point. <laughs> so brace yourself. But, uh, <laughs> but, it's, but you know, this, this is a year where I felt God has been stirring up some other, other uh, pastoral ministry gifts and, and calling in my life that, that I'm trying to be faithful and lean into. And, um, and this is evidence of that. And so it was, it was a huge shakeup year. In January 2022, my wife Sarah and I, um, we had several pretty distinct scenarios that we thought um, might take place and where we'd be in January 2023. And none of them at the time included serving at Horizon West Church. But thank God, thank God that by his provision and his care for us, here we are. We're here with all of you in this amazing community. And uh, Sarah and I, we've seen God do this so many times, over and over, over the course of our lives, where we didn't know what was coming, didn't picture what was coming, and God had um, his own plans for our lives. He's led us through seasons long and short of uncertainty, and he's made a way for us. And in 2022, we again saw the power of trusting God and being willing to obey and to follow wherever he led. And, you know, in 2023, even though we'd probably tell you that we're in a moment of stability compared to last year, um, I know that we're still on a journey. We're still on a journey, and God is still guiding and leading us. And as much as ever, I know that I need God to guide my life and my work, trusting in him with what I do know, with what I don't know, sorry, trusting in him with what I don't know, and obeying him with what I do know. Trusting with what I don't know and obeying with what I do. So that's my, my words for 2023, and I told you I'm kind of new at this, so I, I had to nail it down to two words, not one, two words. My words for the year are trust and obey. Trust and obey. Psalm 37, verses 3 through 5 say, Trust in the Lord and do good. Live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. It's freeing to trust in God. And at the same time, this is an instructive passage towards action. So he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. And this psalm, it was written in this context of confusion and frustration when David saw that those who cheated were prospering. And so the writer here is saying, it may or may not be David actually, but the writer here is saying, don't worry about them. Hold steady. Trust God and keep doing what you know is good. Trust and obey. A biblical commentary called the Kirk's Commentary on this passage, it says that trust and obedience were the way to ensure and maintain an abundant existence in the land. So when I think of those two words together, I find myself often thinking of an old hymn. And as a worship leader, like I said, that hymn is Trust and Obey. Maybe many of you have heard, heard that hymn or have verbalized those words before. But it goes, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. I hear you. I hear my brother Kelvin out there. You sound great, brother. Man, I love, I love that hymn, and it's such a powerful truth. And so today, you know, I want to share with you what God has been teaching me 
uh, these past few weeks as I've been reflecting and seeking direction for 2023. And I've been learning about the power of the way that these two concepts interact with one another, trust and obedience. And so first I want to talk through just how do those work together in our lives, and then I want to leave you with some practical things, some ways that we can apply, and how do we trust God and obey God in each of our circumstances of life. And so first of all, how do we trust and obey? How do trust and obedience work together? How do they work together? The first thing about this is that our trust in God leads to obedient actions that demonstrate the state of our hearts. Trust in God leads to obedience, and obedience demonstrates our trust. It demonstrates what's going on in our hearts. Another way of saying that is that trust or faith in God, it's the conviction that motivates your obedience. It's a motivator for your obedience. And obedience is the action that authenticates, it kind of verifies your trust, authenticates. It's living proof that your trust is real. And it's the evidence that you actually believe what you say you believe. And so I think an illustration for this, I don't know if, if any of you uh, have seen this before ever, but this, these are you a human tests. Have you ever seen that online, logging in? Yeah, kind of crazy, right? Are you a human? What kind of ridiculous question is that anyway? Are you a human? Yes, I'm a human. How else can I answer this besides doing this? But when you try logging in online, the computer needs to determine, are you a human, right? And so you perform the test correctly, then you authenticate you're a human. And, but passing the test, it doesn't make you, it's not what makes you a human, right? It's, uh, but if you mess it up and you get something wrong, it also doesn't change who you are. You're still a human, right? You just got the test wrong. However, if you pass it, it proves who you are to the website and it authenticates your humanity, so to speak. And this is a very imperfect example, but it just came to mind. It's, it's because in a similar way, obedience authenticates. It gives evidence for our trust in God. It gives evidence. It verifies what we already know to be true, that we trust him, that we have faith and believe in him. James chapter 2, it says this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm, be well, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. And James is saying here that your good works will authenticate your faith in Jesus. That's why we say at Horizon West Church, and we boldly say that we are a diverse community of good friends together doing good works, good works, and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So if you can truthfully say, I trust God, then your actions, the way that you live, they're going to be motivated by that trust. You're going to think differently. You'll talk differently. You'll walk differently. You'll live differently. Treat others differently as a man or a woman or a young person who believes that their lives are secure and guided and empowered by the ruler of heaven and earth who loves them. It's going to change the way that you live. 
Some of us, myself included, we've gone through periods of, of stagnation maybe in our faith where we, wouldn't, we would say, you know, our convictions are still there. They, wouldn't, they haven't changed. We believe what we said we believe. But our trust in God maybe has become so weakened or atrophied that it actually has no bearing on the way that we live. The way that we act is no different than an average person who doesn't believe in God. Our faith, our actions maybe aren't motivated by our trust. So should we conclude that James is saying here that you lose your salvation if you start to fail at obeying God? Well, Scripture reminds us in many places that this would be a faulty conclusion. Paul tells us that nothing in creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you've accepted that love of Jesus Christ, nothing can separate you. And Jesus himself says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them from my hand. Not you, not me. No one will ever snatch them out of my hand. So what James is saying here, if he's not saying that, is that the faith that saved us in Jesus Christ and sealed us in the Holy Spirit comes with such great power that it must lead. It must lead to transformed action. May we never let our human complacency lead us to act as people who have forgotten who we really are. We're beloved children of God. We're saved by grace through faith, created for good works that he has prepared for us. The second way that I'm going to share about how these two interact, how trust and obedience interact, is trust itself is an act of obedience. Trust is an act of obedience. So when we're trusting, we're obeying God. And obedience enhances our tendency to trust. Obedience gives us this this just leaning towards trusting God. Surrender to God is a practice and a recurring action that we're asked to take. And in John 14, it says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. That's Jesus Christ. So when we trust in God, we're obeying him. We're obeying that command. But in turn, when we obey, we often see how God's way is better than our own. And we might not always see this. That's kind of my disclaimer there. We might not always see this, but he's often kind enough to show us. And I've seen that so many times in my own life, as I mentioned earlier. When God's been kind enough to show me his plan that resulted as much better than my own plan that I had in my head. And it emboldened me, it helped me to trust him more. My obedience resulted in more trust. And so when we obey, it helps affirm the character of God in a real way and emboldens us to trust him even more. Third, when we trust God, he enables and empowers us to obey. Our trust enables, fuels, empowers our obedience. Psalm 37.3, it said, trust in the Lord and do good. And so what does it mean to do good, to do good? Well, in Micah 6.8, it says, he has told you, O mortal, what is good. He's told you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness, and some translations say mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So breaking this down, God asks us to obey and do good by doing justice, by living in a way that is, that is righteous and also looks out for those who are marginalized by an unjust world or a society that serves them and seeks to help them do justice. Love mercy, to be forgiving and compassionate, to walk humbly with God, to recognize our limitations, and to acknowledge that God is God and we are not. 
All of this sounds like, like Jesus a little bit, right? I can't help to uh, think of him and the way that he modeled and lived his life. He did justice. He looked out. He went out of his way to look for people who were ostracized by society, who were separated off, who were told they were less than. And he said, you have value. You have worth. You have meaning. He was forgiving. He was compassionate. He went out of his way to help others. And he walked humbly with God. He depended on his word day after day. We see that so many times throughout the course of his life. But none of this, it comes naturally to our our sinful, our broken nature, right? And trusting in God, we have to trust his Holy Spirit that's at work within us to be enabled to actually do these good works and to obey. James 1, says, But be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in the mirror. For they look at themselves, and on going away, they immediately forgot what they looked like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. James is, James is really driving it home today. What's James saying here? He's saying, be a people that apply the word of God, who understand the treasure that we have and the power of the words of God in Scripture, and who live out that word with confidence. So let's practice that together today. This is kind of where we step into the practical part of, of, the, of the message. And what are some ways that we can actually trust and obey God in our current circumstances, in our daily situations, according to his word. And so we, we usually don't um, send home notes or have notes that you can take, take home with you, but I did want to leave you with something today that you can, um, you'll see up on the screen now. How do we trust and obey God? And there's a QR code that's coming up. And if you want, you can take it and scan it because there are going to be several situations here that might apply to your life in particular. How do we trust God with our decisions, with our weaknesses, when we're suffering, when we feel spiritually dry? And so this QR code is just going to send you to a PDF that has my next like 15 slides. And you can remember these things and pray these scriptures and think about these concepts of ways to trust and obey God in different life circumstances. How do we trust and obey God with our decisions? We'll start there. By the way, this QR code is going to keep coming up. It's the same one. You're not going to miss anything if you don't get another one. Just want to keep giving you a chance. So decisions. How do we trust God and obey him with our decisions? Psalm 37, 5, it said, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. I read that earlier. In Proverbs chapter 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. What are these scriptures telling us? They're saying to habitually submit your plans to the Lord and to receive his direction. Submit to your plans to the Lord and receive or seek his direction. In order to submit our plans to God, you must have a habit of prayer. You must have a habit of prayer, which is something we all need to cultivate in our lives. Prayer is something that sometimes it takes work. Sometimes you're not feeling it. Prayer is something we need to continue to go back to and say, God, I don't know if I feel the right thing I'm supposed to feel right now, but I surrender my plans to you. 
In order to receive God's direction, you must have a habit of reading and meditating on his word. Reading and meditating on his word. And it's, it's funny because as many years as I'm a believer, and you may have been a, a Christ follower for many years, you're going to hear that over and over. Prayer and God's word. Prayer and God's word. These are habits that are so important to a living and active life as a Christ follower. But there's no magic way around this, guys. It's something we've got to do. It's how we strengthen a vibrant relationship with our God. So habitually submit your plans to the Lord and receive his direction. How else do we trust and obey God? We can trust him with our fears, our fears. Psalm 56, 3 says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Isaiah 54 says these words, and I love reading this passage in context. I hadn't before. It says, behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. This is God speaking. He says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. God is saying, remember who I am. I made all of these things. I'm the creator. There's no created thing that can destroy you because you are mine. So when we face fears, remind ourselves. Would you remind yourself about the one to whom you belong and declare your trust in him? Remember who he is and reaffirm your trust in that. How do we trust and obey in our suffering, in our suffering? Exodus 3 reminds us that God hears our cries. And it says, the Lord said, I have seen, indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land. God intervened as a result of the cries of those who were suffering. This shows us that God, we can trust that God hears our cries when we are suffering. And it makes a difference when we voice our needs to him. Another example is in Matthew, where God hears our cries. And we can also, we can obey and we can trust in this way, the way that Jesus did. It says, he went on a little farther and bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, take this cup, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Jesus, in all honesty, voiced his desire to God. And he said, God, take this cup of suffering from me. Do you realize what that means? Jesus knew the road that God was calling him to, which eventually led to his death and resurrection and our salvation. And Jesus was saying, God, is there another way? Can you take this suffering from me? He had the boldness and the obedience to come to the Father and ask for what he wanted. But then he also trusted God and he said, if that's not what you want, let your will be done. Not my will, but yours be done. He asked God the Father for what he wanted and he also knew that the Father was trustworthy enough to surrender to his will, even if it wasn't what Jesus wanted in the moment. So how do we trust and obey God with our suffering? We can pray and we can ask God for deliverance with honesty 
and confidence. He wants to hear it. And he, he does hear you, and our prayers make a difference. And then at the same time, surrender the outcome to his perfect plan. That's like the ultimate trust and obedience. God, I'll choose to follow. I'll surrender to your plan. But I'm going to trust you with my worries and concerns and my suffering. The next thing is, how do we trust God with our questions? This can be a hard one. This is one that I struggle with. As, a, as someone who's followed Jesus for, for a while, as someone who shares his word, there's still questions. I don't know. I don't know how. There's so many things in the world and the way that the world works that I, I'm not sure why, why it is that way. There are even things in Scripture that I say, God, what does that mean? I want to know. I ask you. I bring my questions to you. And I, I, I just don't know. And David here asks God an honest question in Psalm 10. He says, why, Lord? Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? David asked God honest questions. He knew that God could handle the parts of his life that might seem off limits to us. And he knew that God wanted him to surrender those questions to him. So he did. He brought those questions to God. He said, why, O oh Lord, do you stand far off? And then at the end of the psalm, he reaffirmed his trust in God. And he says, you, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. Defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. I love that model that David gives us here and in many other psalms. He does, he does this thing where he says, God, I don't know. Why do you stand far off? I don't know. I don't know why I can't feel you. I don't know where your presence is right now. But I do know. I do know. God, I don't know why it seems like you're far away when people get away with doing evil against innocent people. But I do know that you hear the afflicted, that you defend them, God. I know your character. I know who you are. And so I choose to trust you with this and to obey you by reaffirming who I know you to be. He may not get the answer right away or even in this life, but he trusts God enough to praise him for the things that he does know. And being honest with you, like I said, as a pastor, there are many times I approach scripture or I look at the world and I've got a hard time arriving at a definitive black and white solution or explanation. And I'm sure if I were to ask you to raise your hands, a lot of you would feel the same way. But I have to say, I don't know, but I do know. I don't know when inexplicable injustice will stop, when innocent people will no longer die, or when people in poverty will have a real opportunity to get out of a hole that seems to get deeper and deeper. God, I don't know. But I do know what you've called me to do. I do know that you've called me to care for the poor and the sick, the widows and the orphans, to defend the oppressed. I don't know, but I do know. Bring your questions to God about the things that we don't understand and reestablish your trust in what you do know to be true about him by praising him and by doing what he says to do. That's how we can trust and obey God in our questions. I don't know, and I bring it to you. I trust you. But I do know, and so I'll obey you in that way. The next way we can trust and obey God is with our spiritual dryness, our spiritual dryness. Psalm 13 says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? David's wrestling with this question of, God, I feel dry. And then he goes on in in verse 5, he says, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. It's almost... It's almost like he's got double personality here in the beginning. He's like, God, are you going to forget me forever? But he's just being honest. This is how I'm feeling right now, God. And so I'll I'll trust you with that feeling. But I'm going to obey because I know what you've told me to do. Keep trusting and keep praising. One of my favorite songs, um, spoiler alert, we're going to sing it today. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. That's That's what happens when you're the worship pastor. You kind of have an advanced knowledge of of what's coming up. (laughs) Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy. I choose to praise. And Tim Keller, he describes being obedient in prayer and in praise to God like being on a small boat. And And sometimes it feels like you're sailing and the presence of God, you can feel it just bringing up your sails and you feel the wind behind you and you see him answering prayers in your life and it's very clear that he's with you. And other times it feels like you're rowing, like you're rowing. Prayer feels like rowing. God seems distant as you wrestle with your doubts. It feels like a duty. But Tim Keller encourages us not to be content with drifting and with staying stagnant in these moments. And he says this, he says, prayer is rowing. And sometimes it's like rowing in the dark. You won't feel that you're making any progress at all, yet you are. And when the winds rise again, and they surely will, you will set sail again before them. Praying is like rowing. So when you feel spiritually dry and you can't feel God, how do you trust and obey? You keep rowing. You keep praying. You keep trusting. And you keep obeying by praying. The last thing is, not the last thing, I'm sorry. I've got three more quick ones that I'll go through. Ways to trust and obey God with different areas of your life. How do we trust and obey God with our weakness? With our weakness. When you feel inadequate for the task, maybe it's, it's a, a job that you have or parenting. Parenting is tough. I feel weak sometimes parenting. Like I don't, I don't I'm not up to it, God. <laughs> um, serving, leading, forgiving, sharing the gospel. Pray God's truth over your life in those moments of weakness. And I find myself, every time I step up here to share a word from God, find myself feeling that way. God, I don't know if I have the strength for this. Pray God's truth over your life. Paul cried out to God repeatedly in his weakness, and then he reports God's response to him. And God's, uh, it says in, in 2 Corinthians, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. In another letter, Paul encourages believers to know that they can trust God to complete the work that he's doing through us. And he says this, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will continue it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So when you feel unworthy or underprepared for the task at hand that God's given you, know that his power is working in you and faithfully step into the work. I encourage you, trust him with it. Say, God, I I know you've called me into this, 
I know I'm not the best for the job, but I'm going to trust what your word says, that your spirit working in me yields great power. And I'm going to choose with my weakness to step in and obey and to say, okay, God, yes, I'll step in. I'll see you work through me. Our abilities. How do we trust and obey God with our abilities? These are the last two here. Ephesians 3.20, I love this scripture, says, with God's power working in us, God can do much, much more than anything we can ask or imagine. It reminds me of a, a Bible song that uh, the kids um, sing all the time. That's why I picked this version, actually, because it says it the exact same way. With God's power working in us, God can do much, much more than anything we can ask or imagine. It's a good word to remember. Don't be content with trusting your own strengths and slipping into pride. Surrender your abilities to God. When we trust in God's power more than we trust in our own abilities, he uses them to do more than we can ask or ever imagine. So whether you feel weak or whether you feel strong in your abilities, don't put your stake in what you can do. Put it in God. Finally, how do we trust God and obey God in our possessions, with our possessions? This is a tough one. This is a tough one. And it's illustrated in one of the, one of the stories in Scripture is of a, a rich young ruler coming to Jesus saying, God, what do I do to inherit eternal life? I've, I've done all the right things. And Jesus, Jesus says, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Trust him with your possessions. And the man realizes he's got too much. He's got too much to trust God with his possessions. So he walks away sad. It's a hard challenge that Jesus gives us. The Bible says in Psalm 20, verse 7, it says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And so as with our abilities, this causes us to think, what are we actually putting our faith in here? What are we putting our faith in here? We'll go on to see that when we trust God with our finances and our earthly possessions, he promises to meet all our needs as we read this scripture in Luke. Luke 12 says, then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, or no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart also will be. This is a very countercultural challenge that Jesus gives us. This is hard. He's prompting us to ask ourselves, do we trust God so much that we will choose to do good by redirecting our finances and possessions toward helping those in need and towards prioritizing his kingdom? Every time, every time that you give to be a part of the work that God is doing, that's a statement of faith where you're saying, God, I trust you with this. I could use this somewhere else but I know that you're going to meet my every need. And so I'm going to follow in obedience and invest in the kingdom or help those in need every time you redirect your finances and possessions. Will we truly value the eternal over the temporary? Will we truly trust 
that he can meet our needs when we obey these revolutionary words. This last part says, when we trust God with our finances and our earthly possessions, he promises to meet all, all of our needs. So I'm going to close our time with, with a confession, with a confession. When I first heard this hymn, um, I've, I've been in church since uh, in, at First Orlando. I was at First Orlando when I was four years old, all the way through high school and then returned in ministry. And I heard this hymn several times. And I think when I first heard this hymn, my adolescent perception of it was that it was just too simplistic and too passive. Just be happy. Just trust. Just obey. It'll all go away. And, uh, and I've lived a lot of life since then. <laughs> and maybe you viewed these words, trust and obey, through a skeptical lens because they sound like passive compliance. And to trust God, it can be misinterpreted as living a defeatist life. You're resigned to the thought that nothing you do matters. So to obey, you can, it can be mistaken to signal this cold and dictatorial relationship with a God who just gives orders and we don't engage with him or express our concerns or desires. But I'm here to tell you that those are inaccurate caricatures that miss the point of what it means to live in trust and in obedience to God as an active, empowered ambassador of his kingdom who's confident in his character and in his good and perfect will for our lives. I've learned that. Those words aren't passive at all. They're so active in our lives. They've taken a new and powerful meaning in my own life. And I want to continue to live my life in 2023 with that posture. So I want to challenge you this year to try it. Try living out these words. Choose to trust and obey God. And let's mean what we say when we confess that Jesus is our Lord. Let's patiently depend on him. And let's boldly take action when he shows us how. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. And well we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey then in fellowship sweet we will sit at his feet or will walk by his side in the way and what he says we will do where he sends we will go never fear only trust and obey we affirm our trust as we sing trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. God, we surrender our lives to you by trusting you 
the author and perfecter of our faith who began a good work in us and will act to see it through to completion. We trust you, God. And we stand up, Lord. We stand up to say, here I am. Use me. I will follow. I will obey as you call me and as you lead me. May we seek you in prayer. May we seek you in your word. Would you lead us, God? We ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus who gives us access to the Father, the ruler of heaven and earth. In that name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.